0: God has a plan for each of us. And I believe it's God's will that we expect God's plan. Let me give you some of that outline. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3. in the New Living Translation says, and I put this in there, Those that expect of the Lord are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. You notice it doesn't say overabundance, fruit or underabundance, but they're bearing fruit all of their lives. But this is the part I like, and I want you to underline it. Their leaves never fade or wither, and they prosper in all they do.
1: Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: If you have your Bibles, I got a lot of scripture this morning. I do not plan on taking a lot of time. Uh, as my wife said, uh, Wednesday, I believe it's Wednesday, Thursday is actually our third anniversary as a church. We started this church three years ago on January 3rd. Yeah, you can, you can give the Lord praise, church. I know we're sitting back, do, do we clap? Do we, what, what do we do? Uh, uh, three years ago, this Thursday, and uh, it's just been an incredible, incredible journey. Some of you have been with us since day one. Some of you came in a few months later. Some of you have gotten on the on the train much later. But God has been doing incredible things. And I, I want to start out by just saying this very simple truth that's in your notes. The title of this message is, it's God's will that we expect God's plan. I'm going to share some things with you that, that help us understand it's not just by coincidence that things happen. Most of the world is into numerology. Most of the world is into fatalism. You know, just, well, you know, if it's God, it'll just happen, or if it's... You know, if it's this, it'll just come together. And none of them are factual things. But God, I believe, has a sense of humor. So he actually plays the game along with us sometimes. I have been fascinated at the way the scriptures are lined out. And my wife reminded me of something the other day that I had forgotten. I I knew this many years ago, but I've forgotten all about it. That if you want to know the Bible in its entirety in one book... You can go to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. Everywhere from creation, to the fall of Israel, to the birth of the Messiah, to the crucifixion of the Messiah, to the return of Christ, the end times, and the glory of God's final world is in those 66 chapters. Irony of ironies, there are 66 books in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and every one of them talk about everything from creation to His coming glory, where He'll set up a new heaven, a new earth. So I thought, interesting, right smack dab in the middle of the Bible, and I wanted to throw this out there. I shared it with the church probably right after we opened the doors of the church, uh, but it's a really great little thing is... Did you know the shortest chapter in the Bible is in the book of Psalms? It's Psalm 117. If you want to say, well, I read my Bible today, and I I read a whole chapter, go read Psalm 117. Shortest chapter in the Bible. The longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. The center of the Bible, the very center chapter of the Bible, is the 118th Psalm. Now let me give you some interesting Facts: There are 594 chapters before Psalm 118. There are 584 or 94 chapters after Psalm 118. You add these chapters together, you get 11,88 chapters. The very center verse of the Bible is Psalm 118, verse eight. Eleven hundred eighty-eight chapters. You put a decimal or a semicolon between the one eighteen and the eight. You got Psalm one eighteen, verse eight, the center verse of the Bible. So you know, back in the day when I found this out and I, I found this little thing, I thought, well, gosh, let me go see what Psalm one eighteen. I mean, it's got to be something significant because God jumps into this thing to 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 help us to know that He is the God of everything, even the God of numerology which is the study of, of numeral, uh, uh, numerical sequences that come up to things. The significance that the scripture says in the 118th Psalm and the 8th verse is the whole of this message. And it goes like this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. The very center verse of the Bible, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. Too many times the Christian church today has put its confidence everywhere but in God. I'm starting a new series the first of the year uh, next Sunday, and the series is going to be on priorities. What I, I feel the Lord wants me to do as your pastor, every every year, every month, every week, he gives me a direction to go, and I usually get them in, in, in structures that I put together in four-week segments that I can take the whole of it and lay it out over a period of time so we can grasp it in bite-sized pieces. And I really believe as I was praying uh, these last few months about God, what are we doing next year? And I, I believe with all of my heart, God said it's time to get the church back to priorities. It's time to get the people of God back to the priorities that make life. And we will find that some of the reasons our lives are so chaotic... It's because our priorities are all out of shape, are all out of whack. Can somebody say amen besides me? Folks, I'm the pastor, and I've got to continually work on my priorities. Can my wife say amen? Yeah, yeah. The truth is, in all of our lives, this is something that we have to understand. It's better that we trust God than put our confidence in man. Now let me ask you something. Coincidentally, don't you think it's odd that it worked out that way? The very center of the Bible, the very structure, 594 verses, 590, or chapters, 594, 1188, and all of a sudden it's the 118th verse 8. That's the center. And God says, I just want you to know you need to trust me. You think that's coincidental? Or do you think that God maybe has a piece and part in all of it? God has a plan for each of us. And I believe it's God's will that we expect God's plan. Let me give you some of that outline. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3. In the New Living Translation says, and I put this in there, Those that expect of the Lord are like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season. You notice it doesn't say overabundance, fruit or underabundance, but they're bearing fruit all of their lives. But this is the part I like, and I want you to underline it. Their leaves never fade or wither, and they prosper in all they do. I've had people over the years come up to me, and, and, and they, they, they bring the little, the little um, um, euphemism out of the old of, remember the Midas man? Remember King Midas, the story of King Midas? Everything he touched turned to gold. I have went through some pretty horrific struggles in my life, and I actually had a pastor friend of mine on the phone many years ago when we were first starting this church, because I had sent out letters to many of our uh, church friends, I, uh, you know, I don't know, I sent out forty different letters, and I got response from one church, and they sent us a little offering, and and praise the Lord, because all the churches are going through difficulties. But I was talking to this one pastor friend on on the phone, and I and I shared with him what I did, and you know what he started doing? He busted up laughing. I'm talking to him about serious stuff. I'm saying, you know, we're, we want to start the church and we know this is what God's doing, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's, you know we have the resources. And, and he, he interrupted me in the middle of it. And he said, Tim, everything you touch prospers. Everything you do, God blesses. Look around, church. Don't you think that God might be blessing us right here? He was laughing because he had watched my life. We had been friends for years there before he got saved. And he had watched the hand of God operating in my life, in my wife and I's life. And he said, I know what you're going to do. It's going to be blessed and prosperous of the Lord. And then in doing this, Joshua 1:7 came to mind. And look at what it says. In the midst of everything, he's telling Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law that the servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to the right or to the left. In doing this, you will be successful wherever you go. He said, do not let the book of this law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And underline that last line. Then you will be prosperous and successful. I think one of our greatest struggles and one of the greatest tragedies as Christians that we veer our lives from basing it on this book that we veer our lives from trusting God's promises. I am doing a series right now on Wednesday nights on the promises of God. And, and uh, you know I put out just a, just a few uh, pages of notes. And just every time we get together, there's just so much more that God's unfolding. Because God's promises are limitless. But it all basically breaks down, if we have obedience in life, then we'll have a life of promise and blessings. And the struggle that we deal with is we're being pulled every way. The world says, if you want this, do this. The world says, if you want that, do that. But what does God say? And sometimes it's a whole lot easier to follow the world. Can somebody say amen? It's a whole lot easier to just, you know, in light of the Ramsey classes, in light of of trusting God in our finances, to pull out that debit card to pull out that credit card. Oh gosh, I'll just pay for it later on. The problem is we have 10 later ons to pay for now. In our church, God has done some incredible things. And one of the things is raised up various ministries in the church. And what we have is we have a greeter's ministry. We have an usher's ministry. We have a children's ministry. We have a nursery ministry. We have a youth ministry. We have several different ministries in our church that are going on to help people to grow. The struggle that we have in a church sometimes is that everybody's thinking everybody else is doing what everybody else should be doing. And our ministries are struggling because they don't have enough people involved. Stand up back there, Libby. You see this little, you got to stand up real tall. Okay, she okay. She's told us she got. You don't get on the chair back there. Which never mind. Don't do that. But little Lib back there, she runs our greeters ministry. Amen. And I asked her, yeah, let her know how much you appreciate her. I asked her the other day, send me a list of your greeters. She sent me a name. Uh, well, three names, four, five names, five names on the list. What that means is every week the same people are doing the same thing. And you know what that is? Putting a smile on your face, welcoming people to church. How many people have a smile? Go ahead and smile at me. Let me see teeth. If you don't have any teeth, we'll send you over to Bob. But let me see some gums. Okay? Okay, so let me ask you this. How many are not involved in the greeters ministry? Lift your hand up high. How many think they need to talk to Libby about getting involved? Oh, go ahead. Lift your hand up. Put it up there. Hold it up. Come on. Okay, Libby, you got Nancy up here. You got Ken back here. Who else? I don't know your name way back there. Cheryl back there. She wants to, and she's brand new. Who else? Pastor, you're putting me on the spot. You bet your sweet, you know what I am. Do you know why? Let me share a little story, and it's in your notes. I thought it was so cute. It's a story of four people. The people were named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. Let me tell you the story. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. So somebody got angry, as it really was, everybody's job. But everybody thought anybody could do it. But nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could. Libby, is Greeter's a tough ministry? I mean, it's pretty bad, isn't it? I can see you come in, just gritting your. Oh, I got to do this again. It's just a matter of saying hi to folks, helping them come out of the world, whatever they had, and being welcome into the family of God. One of the greatest blessings that I hear about this church is we are one of the most inviting, welcoming churches in Flagstaff. How many would say amen to that? Are we? Can I tell you something? Part of it is because of that little girl right back there. And I say little girl. She's, she's well, she, yeah. Okay. But this little lady back here. And there's so many different things. Our children's ministries, our different a- activities that we have going on. God's plan is that you and I get involved. That's God's plan. I mean, I, I thought I was just supposed to come to church and get fed. Well, you know what happens if you get fed and you don't work? You get fat. Yes? Yeah, we have we have the baking ministry talking about feeding. <laughs> Eva, and Frank goes back there and cooks cookies every day, and or maybe they're, maybe they're not, I don't know who's doing it. Eva's doing it now. Okay, we got the cookies getting baked back there. How many come in and have that waif of... Smell going through the building. How many are blessed like me? You can stand downwind from a bakery and gain weight. Okay. But all the different people ever here taking care of, the, of the, the, the baking, the things that we do on Sunday mornings, and then we have Kathy Camacho with other people. There's lots of things that people could get involved. And you say, well, Pastor, how do I know it's what God wants? I guarantee it's what God wants. It's his plan. And he wants us to jump right in the middle of it. Let me just quickly take you through this message in the next few minutes. Jeremiah was going through struggles and difficulties like you and I do every day in our lives. And he got pretty fed up. He said, God, what gives? You're supposed to be... All powerful, all amazing, all of this, God. And and why am I going through all this stuff? And why do the wicked out there seem to not have any problems? And I seem to be having all the problems. Can I tell you something? If the only person you focus on is yourself, the only problems you're going to see are your problems. That's just the bottom line. If all I can do is look at me in the mirror, and I can't look past that mirror and see somebody else, then I'm going to have the biggest problems on the earth. This is what Jeremiah was doing. But as he was going through all of this, God was gently nudging him and saying, Jeremiah, why don't you think about all the things that I've already done? And all the things that I said, if I've already done them, I'm going to do them again. And he says, This I recall to mind in your text. Therefore, in this I have hope. It's through the Lord's mercies that we're not concerned consumed because his passions compassions they do not fail every morning they are brand new great is your faithfulness now underline this next line would you please the lord is my portion the lord is my provision the lord is my promise you can change that word portion with all kinds of different things The Lord is my protection. The Lord is my fill in the blank wherever you're living right now. The Lord is that in your life. Therefore, he said, have hope in him. That word hope is the same word that we get the word expect from. Therefore, I can expect in him. The Lord is good to all of those who wait. That word wait is the same word we get hope from and the same word we get expect from. All those who will expect from God and seek after him. It is good, here we go once again, for those that should expect hope and wait, expect the scriptures trying to get across to our understanding that we quietly wait for the deliverance, the salvation, the promises of God. Struggles, are a part of every one of our lives. Jeremiah knew struggles. He knew it's not a matter of if I have a problem. He says, it's a matter of when I have my next problem. But Jeremiah, the guy that went through more struggles, probably than just about anybody we can find in Scripture, it seemed like when Jeremiah showed up, they had a box of rocks waiting for him. When they knew Jeremiah was coming to town, they would have a party thrown for him. And usually it was thrown at him more than for him. But listen to what Jeremiah records in, in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29. He said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And listen to what God said. His plans are for your life and mine. Plans to prosper. Not to harm. But to give us hope and a future. And over... Time as you read the book of jeremiah the book of lamentations or the two books that are credited to jeremiah you find that the jeremiah learned some critical aspects of living a victorious christian life and let's just break it down really quick the first thing jeremiah did is when he was going to, through struggles and we see it in our text he said i recall to mind what god has already done and because of that i have hope He said, I expect God to do what God has promised that he would do. And because I expect that, all of my efforts are focused on that. And when I take my eyes off the problems, you know what happens? My eyes can refocus back on the promises to where the problems don't become paramount, but the promises become prolific in my life. Because I don't look at my losses. I look at the gains. See, I learned a long time ago, if we spend less time grieving and more time rejoicing, we'll see God do all that he would do. If we stop grieving over what might have been, it is in the chance there that we have the ability to more clearly see what is yet to be. We use this scripture a couple times in this series. Psalm 78, where it talks about Israel limiting the Holy One of God, because they forgot the things that God had already done. And I don't know about you, but I know lots of people in this world that every time you bring up something that God wants to do, they say, it can't be done. Is there anybody here today that you looked at something and said, uh, it's just not going to work? Oh well, God, it just can't happen. It can't, there's no way. You know why we look at it that way? Because we look through finite eyes instead of an infinite creator see my bible still tells me what is impossible for man is possible with god you know i've read from genesis to revelation in this book and you know when it comes to a christian i have not found a single thing that says can't I think it's all capsulated there in Philippians 4 where it says, I can do all things through Christ. See that focus? You see that perspective? You see that priority? Here's a little poem that I found one time. And the poem was titled, It Can't Be Done. I'm not sure if I left it in your notes. Maybe I did. It says the ones who miss all the fun are those who say it can't be done. In solemn pride they stand aloof and greet each venture with much reproof. If they had the power they'd to face the entire history of the human race, we'd have no radio or motor cars, no street now lit by electric cars. no telephone, tele- No telegraph or telephone, we'd linger still in the age of stone. The world would sleep if things were run by those who said it can't be done. Now let me ask you this question. Have you ever said something can't be done only to see it done? Once again, I go back to the testimony I was sharing earlier about my pastor friend. I've had people tell me over the years, you can't do that. You can't do this. And I, you know, I'm sorry, maybe I'm a little naive. But when they tell me that kind of stuff, I always say, why? And you know, I have hardly anybody that gives me a valid why. Why can't Adam get that job he's believing God for? Why can't Bob, his dentist business, become the biggest one in Flagstaff? Why can't Gary... Go full-time in ministry. Why can't my wife and I get our house paid for so I can bring her home so she don't have to work two or three jobs at the same time? Amen. You see, I'm, I'm just naive enough to believe that God said it can. And you know what I learned about God? If he says it can, I believe it will. If God said it can, I believe it will. Why? Who am I living for? Who is the Lord of my life? The infinite creator of heaven and earth? So why can't I? See, Jeremiah came to that revelation. I remember the things you've done. And God, I'm going to stand in that hope. It goes on to say... I can stand in that hope in the 22nd verse of our text because his compassions and mercy, they never fail. It's because of them I am not consumed. And if you go a little bit further, he said this is the the underbearing premise of everything I stand. God is my portion. What is wrong with me expecting all that God has for me if God has all? Okay, I'm getting too deep for some of us. Adam, is that it? I mean, if God has it all, what's the tough thing expecting? Well, you know, I'm not sure God wants it all for me. Are you saved? Are you a child of God? Is there anything that you would withhold from Jacob if you knew it wouldn't hurt him and it was in your power to give it to him and your ability to bless him? You're supposed to be saying, yeah, come on, come on, give me, give is there anything you withhold from him? Why does your father hold anything from you? Can I tell you something? I don't know if you read it, but it's in his power to do it. I don't know if you read this, but it's in his ability to do it, Bill. This guy does taxes, he does accounting. He does a great job. I've, I've looked at some of his stuff. He crosses T's and dots I's really good. And he actually knows how to add and subtract too. But why can't his business prosper this year? Oh, you one of those preachers. You believe in prosperity. What's the alternative? You want me to preach poverty? Okay, I'll just leave that one there. What's wrong with us expecting? Jeremiah came to the grips that, hey, God, you did it before. Your compassions, your mercy, they're limitless. You are my portion. So why don't I expect God to do what he promised? Let me ask you, does his word say we can do all things? Not a trick question. Does his word say we can do all things? Does his word say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Does not his word say, if God be for me, why should I fear what man can do? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? See, difficulties are a part of life, brothers and sisters. But let me share the promises that Jeremiah is bringing out here. Look what he said in the 22nd verse once again, every morning your faithfulness is brand new and it is great. You see, I had learned this one thing as a pastor of many things that I've learned that to expect what it takes for God to do what God wants to do is going to take a walk of faith if I'm going to have faith in my walk. I have to learn to trust. I have to learn to stand. Now, I'm going to take you all down a road that is very, very perplexing just for a moment, but I want you to listen to it, and I want you to be greatly aware of it. No matter what is happening in my life, I'm going to say, God, it's good. I had somebody kind of thought it was funny because somebody went through a, a pretty bad thing the other day and my response was it was praise the lord. And the it was a pastor, he got a little bit irritated. Are you happy they went through that? You happy that? I said no. I'm just praising God that in the midst of it he's going to turn it around for good. Yeah. And this pastor kind of looked at me you know with one of those Yeah, you know those kind of looks, right? And you know where I understand this? I understand this in God's word. I have seen some pretty hairy stuff happen through God's pages of scripture. And I've watched God turn it around. Over in the book of 2 Kings, we find the, the story of the Shunammite woman. Elisha, the man of God, used to go through the town of Shunam on his way to, to do ministry. And he would stop. And there was a well-to-do couple that met the man of God and, and would offer a meal to him to comfort him, to help him. And then pretty soon they would come through town a lot so they knew that he needed a place to stay. So this couple actually built a room on their house that he could have a place to stay and to study and to rest. And because he was so appreciative of their kindness, he sent his servant Gehazi to them to find out what it is that the woman needed or the man needed or their house needed and Gehazi came back and said the only longing of her heart is she is barren and her husband is old. And listen to what the man of God says. He speaks to her and he said, "This time next year you will have a son." And you can find the story in 2 Kings 4. A year later, a son arrives. But as it would in the struggles of life, the, the father was working in the field, the son was working alongside the father, the boy the Bible says he fell down, he hit his head, he died. Could you imagine the travesty in that household? Can you imagine the, 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 the crazy perplexion in that household? God, you gave, what is going on? You gave this, you, God, what The woman ran to meet the man of God knowing that he was coming. And instead, listen to this, listen to this, instead of responding in panic and fear, what Elijah spoke to her and said, how is everything? Listen to the woman's response. In the King James, she says, it is well. In this version that I'm using, she says, everything is all right. Now, folks, we know the story, and we know everything isn't all right. What in the world is wrong with this woman? Has she lost it because her son died? No, she is speaking the promise. She is speaking the faith. She is speaking the trust. She had seen what God was doing through the man of God, through Elisha. She watched his life. She saw the consistency of God and what he did. Now listen to what happened. Because the woman would not allow the circumstance to take her down, the Bible says Elijah, and you can find the story once again in 2 Kings 4, went and raised the boy from the dead. Oh, pastor, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. Why? It just can't. Oh, there's that word. Why? Why? Well, you know it's just circumstances don't. Why? You don't understand. You're right. Why? Am I, am I saying, is this too much faith that I'm talking about? No, I'm not necessarily talking about God raising your child from the dead. But maybe we would see that. Maybe it's a financial miracle. Maybe it's a physical miracle. Maybe it's whatever. The question I ask her, why are we so quick to not believe what God says you need to expect? Let me tell you what I know about faith. Faith looks at situations through God's eyes. This is why your pastor can go through things that he goes through and see things and deal with things and and get get his burden built up so heavy that he cannot even barely move it but yet he moves it far enough to give it to God. Faith looks through the situation through God's eyes not the eyes of limited understanding. This Shunammite woman, she did not panic for she knew something more than the current circumstance. Faith does not panic. Faith realizes that what looks like devastating circumstance may just simply be God's plan to demonstrate His power and glory. Maybe you are going through something you are going through right now because God wants to bring His glory out of it. God wants to use you to touch lives. Maybe I'm going through what I'm going through because God wants me to get down to rock bottom because it's the only place to build a solid foundation. Am I making sense today? It's time, brothers and sisters, for us to live a life of expectation. Can somebody say amen? When Jesus was walking on the water to the disciples, they exclaimed, it's a ghost in Matthew 14. I put that in there because to you and I, there's some situations of life that can bring fate, great fear and frustration upon us, even at the point of paralyzing us. Yet it's right there that we need to start looking and say, God, where are you in the middle of this thing? Because I know you're there. Why? I'm your child. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, now faith is being sure we will get what we hope for and being confident of seeing the things that we currently do not see. 1 Corinthians 10 says, there's no test or temptation that comes our way that is beyond the course of what others have gone through. The first thing that we have to realize is everybody's gone through the same stuff, folks. What we need to remember is that God will never let us down. He'll never let us be pushed past our limit. He'll always be there to help us come through it. That's 1 Corinthians ten, thirteen, and 14 out of the message. I said I didn't have it up there? Okay. Here is the truth as I conclude this today. Hope is the combination of desire, belief, and expectancy. And it's God's will that we begin to expect, that we begin to hope, that we begin to wait for His plan. That we see God do what he wants, we have to begin to expect God to fulfill what he has planned. To believe, we have to be able to look beyond the present problems to remember all the promises. An expectant life has already determined before the difficult times come that we will remain steadfast knowing this truth. That this time will be focused on next time. All the while gleaning insight from the last time. Something that I have learned is that God is too good to be unkind. God is too wise to be unjust. And if there are times that I can't trust what I see his hand doing. Or I, I can't see what his hand is doing. I can always trust his heart. Hebrews 12 says to keep our eyes upon Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of the race we're in. We are to study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. The exhilarating finish line in God and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever, because he kept. He kept his eyes focused. Look at me as I conclude this. If we would simply take our eyes off the problem, we'll see the promise is still there. If we will still take our eyes off of the complexities of life, we will realize again that the simplicity of God's promise is is that he won't let us go through anything we can't handle. And this, this message sounds so blatantly simple, because it is. I'm not saying anything that is difficult. Well, it might not be difficult for you. Folks, understand, living a Christian life is not easy. It's impossible. But through Christ, we can do all things. Through Christ, his promises are sure.
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot O-R-G. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.